Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to take this moment to say thank you for listening to the Real Rescue Podcast. It means a lot to me that you enjoy these stories as much as I do. Since the start of this podcast, we've had a lot of support from all over the world. It has been amazing. Now, we have companies joining our team that also want to say thank you for all that you are doing out there standing the watch. These companies are offering discounts on their products as a way to support the rescue community and those tuning into the Real Rescue Podcast. Just go to therealrescue.com, click on sponsors, and see these incredible offers for yourself. This episode of the Real Rescue Podcast is brought to you by Breeze Eastern, the world's only dedicated helicopter hoist and winch provider. Axness, because when lives are at stake and conditions are challenging, clear communication is of the utmost importance. SR3 Rescue Concepts, because you don't know what you don't know. And Airwave, the Airwave Performance Mouthpiece, helping you to use breathing to your advantage. Breeze Eastern, they dedicate themselves to our helicopter rescue world. Since the very first helicopter rescue in November of 1945, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured superior rescue hoist solutions. While much of the technology and the unique mission requirements have changed over the past 75 years, their commitment to the rescuers, the operators, and those being rescued has not. Contact them today by visiting them at breeze-eastern.com. The Axness PNG wireless ICS system can bring cutting edge wireless intercommunication system technology to any aircraft. The PNG system can be fully integrated into an existing ICS system or can be carried on and off as a mobile base station. They can go anywhere at any time on any aircraft. Plus with the strongest and most robust waterproof handheld on the market, this system can take a hit and keep working. Their wireless intercom systems are designed to enhance situational awareness through improved communication capability. This system brings superior noise canceling technology to eliminate rotor wash and engine noise from your ICS. The Axness PNG wireless system is currently deployed in more than 1,800 public safety, air ambulance, and search and rescue aircrafts worldwide. I have personally used the Axness system in four different countries and on five different airframes. It is awesome. If you want more information, contact them today at axness.com. That's A-X-N-E-S dot com. You just make sure you tell them Quinny sent me. SR3 Rescue Concepts is a training company that can help your helicopter training. They train daytime, nighttime, aerial firefighting, hoist, longline, fast rope, rappel, and more. They can assist your program with standardization and safety checks or just an FAA annual refresher. With the certified flight instructor pilots and experienced crew, they are ready to help your agency keep up to date with current techniques, rules, regulations, and equipment. Plus, right now, SR3 is offering 10% off anything in their web store with the promo code, all capital letters, REALRESCUE, R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q. Plus, they are offering another 10% from their partners, Petzl, and their equipment, 
All you got to do is send an email to info at sr3rescueconcepts.com. Mention this podcast and they'll take care of the rest. And airway. What if I told you that you could train harder for longer and recover faster just by wearing a mouthpiece? I know. I questioned it too. Then I gave it a try. The Airwave Performance Mouthpiece is a breakthrough in performance technology that is scientifically proven with over 15 years of peer-reviewed published research at the Citadel to open your airway by 25% for improved breathing, resulting in a 20% decrease in respiratory rate, an increase in muscular endurance, and 50% reduction in cortisol levels post-workout. Now, what does this mean to me? Well, now I'm able to train harder, recover faster, and be even more prepared for when that SAR alarm goes off. You don't need to take my word for it. Try it yourself and see how you can use your breathing to your advantage. Go to airwave.com or visit them on Instagram at airwave to learn more about it. Then, when you're ready to give it a try, because you heard about it here at The Real Rescue, you get 10% off with the promotion code REALRESCUE, R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q. Coming up next, I've got another one of my A-school instructors joining me to tell some of his stories while he was in on the Coast Guard. The greatest part about this is these are all stories that I never actually had the opportunity to hear and or listen to while I was in A-school. You find this stuff out after. But now, today, with this episode, we get to get the backstory of all of them, and I'm totally pumped to have it. So please welcome our next guest, United States Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer number 171, Mr. Roger Shivers. My name is Jason Quinn. I am United States Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer number 500. These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is The Real Rescue Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Real Rescue Podcast. Today I've got with me another one of our Rescue Swimmer brothers, but this guy in particular uh, is not just any guy. He was one of the few guys that was my A-school instructor. He was the chief of the A-school at the time, and this is United States Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer number 171, Mr. Roger Shivers. What's up, Roger? Hey, hey. just ready to start today. Yeah, buddy. Uh, it's It's been a little a little while since I've seen you, but at the same time, it wasn't that long ago because we were at DSERT together where, with a reunion. And man, it was, oh, it was great to see you there for sure. Yeah, there's so many people, and it's like, holy cow, man, how do you talk to everybody? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And, and there's a lot of people. A lot of people I didn't recognize. You know, it's been sometimes 22, uh, 24 and years and longer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a long time. Um, yep. It was, it was, uh, it was, I, you know, I was so happy that those guys put that together for us. You know, shout out to Joey and, and those guys for, uh, it was just, it was so fun. So fun. that was so. most fun, Jason. I've had since the last uh, reunion in two thousand five. Wow! So oh yeah, it, it was that much fun. I I just had a a, a blast. Yeah, 
<laughs> oh, the stories that were being told. Yeah. Down memory lane. Yeah. So much fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, while I was there, I get to talk to you a little bit about this. And, you know, and I, I had asked you if you would come on and, and you were like, yeah, I'll come on the podcast. So thanks for joining me and being willing to tell a couple of your stories from your time in the Coast Guard. Um, yeah, I'm excited about this because, like I said, you were my my A school instructor. And like I remember everything in A school is a little bit different. And for those that haven't been through A school or something similar, it's when your instructor is there, uh, you know, you have to be, you have to hold your military bearing. You got to be, you got to present and present well, you know, dress, dress to the dress, you know, everything's got to be clean and ready to go. And, 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 you know, like it's just the way it was. And I remember at one point in time, I'm in the pool, I'm shivering my ass off. And you looked at me, you're like, Quinn, are you cold? And I was like, yes, chief. And you said, you won't be for long. Did somebody hit you right after that? I think we were doing underwaters right after that. <laughs> That'll warm you up. Oh, yeah, it was quick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was great. So funny. Such great memories. Yes, oh. they, they, were, they are great memories. So I'll and, tell and, you what. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, the good thing is, you know, we trained everybody well, and we didn't kill anyone, which is a, a big one. Well, yeah, thank you for that too. I, I'm sure Seriously. you know there's there's a lot of us that had questions throughout the training. <laughs> they can tell us. Uh, the, the possibility is there, but let's hope and pray that they don't. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh my right. gosh, oh, so funny. Well, I'll tell you what, Roger, if you don't mind, um, just before we get into your rescues, can you give a little background, a little bit about you, why you joined the Coast Guard, and, and how what brought you to being a rescue swimmer? All right. Uh, let me see. I grew up on a dairy farm up in Ohio. So I was slave, uh, kind of like slave labor, if you know what I mean. And uh, <laughs> okay. I, had I had plans to go to college, uh, wrestling scholarship down at Ohio University. But uh, my friends, my family all worked in coal mines and the pay was good. So I went straight out of high school to work in a coal mine. And two years later, the mine shut down and I was without a job. And one of the guys, miners I worked with, uh, I, I was talking about joining the Air Force. He goes, man, you need to join the Coast Guard. And I go, the Coast Guard? He goes, yeah, like on uh, Hawaii Five-0. I don't know if you remember that show or not. <laughs> I do, but, I totally do. <laughs> that that was my first, uh, my first experience with the Coast Guard on Hawaii Five-0. And uh, Perry, he's a little bit of a hippie. Uh, about 10 years older than I, he, he was over there doing a NAM, and all he talked about is, yeah, if you got one of them 95-footers hauling some, uh, selling some drugs, you're going to be uh, high for the rest of your uh, deployment. And I'm going, you got to be <laughs> He wasn't. He was not. So oh, my I, gosh. Uh, I end up, uh, I recruited out of Pittsburgh, End up going to Alameda, the real boot camp out in uh, California. And straight out of there, I went to uh, Station Saislaw River up in uh, Florence, Oregon. 44-foot motor lifeboats. And uh, let me see here. Uh, it was a great tour, but it was steady port and starboard. And you were always working. I mean, just it, it, 
the duty was just absolutely horrible. And <laughs> uh, we were doing uh, boat ops with one of the 52s from North Bend. And I got to go up inside the 52, sit in the co-pilot seat and uh, try to fly the 52 around. And I was hooked. After that, man, I put my name straight on the uh, ASM school list. And lo and behold, 18 months later, I'm on my way to uh, Lakers, New Jersey, which was the home of ASM school back then. Nice. No, are you talking uh, ASM school as in before they had swimmers or? Yes. Prior prior to the the message for swimmers didn't come out until 1984, 85, or 84 it came out. So I got down to Clearwater and I wanted to be a flight mech. But uh, they were hurting on drop masters on the 130 side. So I ended up being a uh, 130 drop master. And uh, I had a really good time. Once I did it and uh, got to fly all over the uh, Caribbean, up to St. John's, Newfoundland, just all over the place. Uh, really nice spots. So I'm, I'm glad I went the drop master way versus the flight mech way. And uh, yeah. let me see. My wife... And my daughter, they followed me around from uh, Oregon. The trip from Oregon to uh, Ohio when I was heading for uh, Parachute Rigger School, which is ASM school, was about 2,500 miles. And we're in a little Mustang Carmagia. Uh, <laughs> <with a, laughs> do you know which car I'm talking about here? It's an 80, well, 1978. Is that like the hatchback looking one? Yes. Okay. It, it had a, a, a moon roof and yeah. we we were packed to the gills and my daughter was sitting on the console that's how little space we had in the car and when we hit the cascade uh, mountains coming from uh, the beach there we hit one heck of a snowstorm had to put our chains on it took us an entire day to make it uh, our way 70 miles from uh, idaho so the entire trip ended up taking us eight days from hitting one snowstorm after another. And it was like, wow, this is really, this really sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Run into a snow drift in a white car and not be found till spring. But anyhow, uh, we got down to Clearwater and with the duty down there compared to my small boat station and, you know, making third was a gigantic jump. I mean, uh, you were still cleaning heads, but not like cleaning heads like you're in a small boat station, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or 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 on a ship where you're pretty much slave labor job. And uh, I made second class. Let me see. I got there in July the 2nd of 1980. And I graduated ASM school in, oh, I think it was April or May, May of 80. But uh, we just had a really good time down there in Clearwater. Had a good shop. Uh, it was a smaller, you know, 130 H3 unit at the time. And uh, okay. people got, got along good together. And, you know, it, it was old guard. I mean, you're partying, drinking till you know, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, getting up for flights. <laughs> at, 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 you know what I'm saying? <laughs> well and, within the 12 hours bottled the throttle of course <laughs> that that buried deep in the 3710 and, That's and right. black, 
<laughs> and the chart was totally blacked out. I, What's I going on here? Story. We're not really sure, sir. <laughs> I got bad story. printer. <laughs> Can I tell you really a real fast one? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my uh, good friend Bill Rankin, okay, and I were in Clearwater at the same time. Okay. He had went on deployment, and they were down in uh, St. Croix, and they put him up at a really fancy four-star hotel. They'd been down at the beach drinking all day, and I'm talking all day starting at 10 o'clock in the morning, and him and his buddy Carl Kastler came walking up to the uh, pool because they wanted to uh, clean themselves off in the sand and everything. Well, Bill was a really good swimmer. He dove into the pool, sunk to the bottom, and could not move his arms or legs. He was so drunk that he had no control over his extremities. So Carl thought he was messing around with him and uh, <laughs> and started walking away. And Bill pushed off the bottom and said, help. And so Carl pulls him out of the water, sets him on a chair. And sometime during the night, Bill took his uh, his swimsuit off and laid back down in one of the lounge chairs. And they're supposed to be at the 1.30 at 8 o'clock. Well, at 7.30, yeah. at 7.30, he wakes up and sees people all on their balconies looking at him, and he is butt naked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, that's awesome. So, yeah, they called the local police there. And they escorted him to the 130 where he received a gigantic ass chewing. And that's how he got out of the deal. But uh, it's one of the funniest uh, stories I've, I've ever heard of somebody doing something really, really dumb and getting away with it. Oh, my God. That's great. Good yeah. for him. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Guy. Oh, I love those stories. But, uh, yeah, Clearwater was good. Uh came time for uh i'll take that back the tours were three years back then and barb's dad had had a heart attack uh, while we we're there in Clearwater. and 1983 comes around and one of my friends greg nickerson got orders to kodiak and bill rankin had just came down from kodiak the year before and he's saying oh my god you're gonna hate that place and uh so we're all teasing greg right yeah and i'm I'm out doing a set of float bags on one of the H3s, and Greg comes out and goes, hey, uh, our shop chief uh, what, wants to see you. And he's got a smile on his face. I go, what for? He goes, you'll find out. So I walk in the <laughs> office, office, and I go, hey, chief, what's going on? He goes, well, you need to pack your bags. I go, what? I thought I was going on a deployment. He goes, Yep, you're following Nickerson up the Kodiak. And I go, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I said, my wife's dad just had a heart attack, and uh, there's no way on earth I'm be able to take her up there. And uh, he goes, well, it's like this. The old, this is old guard here. You yeah. didn't marry your wife, you married the Coast Guard. So uh, <laughs> Bill Rankin is just telling me what a horrible, horrible place it is. And uh, so we, we drove it, took the Alcan, got up there and absolutely loved the place. Yeah. Loved it. Great hiking, great fishing, great hunt, hunting. 
uh, you name it. If you like doing anything outdoors, Kodiak's the place to do it. And it was probably my funnest tour uh, in the Coast Guard by far. I really, awesome. really had to go up there. Excellent. I loved Kodiak. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I had a great shop. You know, you got to see some sites you'll never get to see again. Most people won't. And yeah. uh, it, was, it was just one heck of a, of a, uh, a tour. I, I'd do it again if I could. Oh, yeah. Oh, me too. But, In a heartbeat. But I'd have to be a drop master. There's no way I can do the swimmer thing. You know what I'm saying? But I, oh, you know. <laughs> I, I, I'll be a drop master and throw stuff out the end, but, but in the airplane. Yeah, yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. It's, stand in the back of the C-130 and just kick that shit out. Go. Yeah. It's a cake. A monkey can do it. Oh, I love it. Love all my drop masters out there, too, by the way. Just throwing that out there. What's that? <laughs> I love all my drop masters out there. Just saying. Oh, yeah. They're good guys. They're good guys. Yeah. It's a, it's a much safer airplane than the helicopters. But, uh, you know, when we were up there in Kodiak, we only had the old Mustang suits back then. So if you didn't get the raft out, which is a major, or I take that back, there's probably about 98% you're not going to get the raft out if you crash in the water. Yep. And uh, if you, if you, uh, happen to invert and get out without your survival suit, you're, you're toast, man. And it's like, yeah, uh, you know, doing North Slope flights, we didn't wear our Mustangs, we just wore our flight suits because if you're hitting the water up there, you know, you're five minutes since toast. So instead of suffering for a few minutes longer, we just put our Mustangs in the back and wore our flight suits. All right, nice. Hey, do what you got to do. That was old guard. That's what I'm talking that about. Old, that was old guard. Uh, we got up there to Point Barrow. Did you ever make it up there when you were there, Jason? No, I did not make it to Barrow. Um, I I made it out the chain. I didn't even make it all the way to Atu, or I made it to Atu, not Adak. What what's ADAC. the or maybe? Yeah, I made it to Adak, not Atu. Atu is the very last island. Yeah. 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 So Same I was here. one. One island short of going to the very furthest west point of Alaska. So same oh, well. here, yeah. same here. But I, I did go. We did just go up the barrel, and uh, we torched the motor. Sand took in too much sand, oh, so geez. they put. Yeah, the scientists up there at Barrow put us up in these really nice Quonset huts, and uh, they flew another engine up from uh, Kodiak to us in a uh, Point Barrow. And that night, the scientists uh, invited us to a softball game. And we started playing at 10 o'clock. They showed up with a Ford pickup truck loaded down with uh, ice and beer in the back. And we were eating caribou steaks, drinking beer, and playing softball till 5 o'clock in the morning. It was like, <laughs> it was such a kick in the butt. It really was. I'm thinking, I'll never get to do this again. And I yeah. haven't. And, and, but it's something I can tell my grandkids about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, that's a great story. I, you know, it's the stuff that happens up there that it's just not normal. Like you don't, you don't really get stuff. Like when you talk about being in Alaska and then there's the lower 48, you know, this, this stuff up in Alaska, you just, you're never going to do anywhere else. It's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah. Loved it. Same here. Same here. Loved it. Both, you know, we were in Kodiak and Sitka. 
but I love sick game, but still, I'd take Kodiak or a sick game day of the week. Nice. Nice. Uh, we were constantly goofing off in Kodiak, though. It was a tight shop, and uh, we're constantly having a shop party. We usually had a shop party once every two months, and uh, it, it was just a really, really good crew. And uh, Pete Lehman and I got up to Kodiak the same year in 83, and we both went on nights together two weeks after checking in, and we were on nights for the f- entire three years we were up there. And uh, he was a really, really good friend of mine. And uh, it's a shame he uh, he bit it out there in uh, Humboldt. On yes. A, on a flight. It's one of them flights, you know, did they really need to go out on this thing? Uh, you know what I'm saying? I don't yeah. want to go into it too deep here, but them guys didn't have to die, put it that way. Right. And uh, But I got to know, know really well. He's a good friend. And uh, we hunted fish together he uh shot an elk over on raspberry and okay we flipped quarters for the uh first shot and lo and behold we take he pete takes a shot from about 30 yards away hits this uh elk right behind the shoulder it took off and you know the damn gorges up there oh yeah yeah we we waited the old 20 minutes, you know, for it to bleed out and lay down and uh, go walk in there to work with shot, blood all over the place. And here that elk had run down into a, about a 250-foot uh, gorge. Oh, and my was, gosh. was laying in wall, water with all the alder bushes growing up it. And uh, it took us a whole day to skin that thing out because our hands were getting so cold from a, a stupid elk, you know, being in the water. And <laughs> so we quartered, we quartered everything up, got it back over to Kodiak, split the meat. And I said, I'll never hunt another one again. I'll buy a hamburger at seven <laughs> bucks a pork before packing a damn elk out of a gorge, you know, for free. <laughs> oh gosh. That's yeah. great. <laughs> but the, this lot. There's a lot of stories uh, that went down up there, but I can't say over the phone or in a re- recorded situation. That's right, because uh, yeah, we don't. Yeah, don't say it here. Don't say it here. We'll keep that stuff off record. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Save it for the reunions. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Nice. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, but no, I'll keep going a little bit more. Like you went to um, Kodiak, and then. You moved on to being a swimmer after, like, I mean, 1985 is when they they said, yeah, we're going to make the swimmer program. Um, yeah. At that point, how, it was that, that was one of those decisions where you could either go to swimmer school or move on, right? Is that, that's where you were at kind of in the, at that timeline, right? Uh, I was in E5 and then uh, following year went down to Clearwater's in E6. So, the only way of getting uh, Stan in the rate was, you know, going and passing swimmer school, making chief, or uh, actually two more, changing rates or getting out. And when the message came out uh, in 84, we were on night check, and our senior chief was there saying, you guys need to read this. And we thought it was a joke. And I'll be honest with you, at boot camp, 
I had to go to remedial swimming for three weeks because I could not pass. I couldn't pass the swim test. So uh, I'm down there at the pool every night, you know, practicing a, a backstroke so I could swim to pass the test. So this message comes out. I'm saying, I can't make it through this school. There's no way in God's green earth. And we're saying, they're not going to make us do it. Uh, I'm calling a lawyer. Uh, we're calling our congressman. Well, guess what? I get down to Clearwater and uh, the clock's ticking. And they called all of us in, uh, all of us being non-swimmers, into the uh, lean chief's office. And we all signed, signed page seven saying if we weren't a swimmer by uh, July 1st of uh, 19, what is it? uh 1990 we yeah. were gonna be we were gonna get the uh boot it's like wow so i had to get uh going on this one i was always strong i, I grew up on the farm i wrestled in high school so the strength wasn't the problem but the swimming was and luckily i had thor wentz who helped me out immensely and marion Drobny. did you know Drobny at all I did not, no. No. Uh, Drummond's a little bit of a different character, but he's uh, one heck of an athlete and a good swimmer. So between them two guys, they got me ready for uh, a swimmer school. And back then, they had a two-week program for the guys who were out in the field. And you'd go to Elizabeth City and have to pass every single test that they proctored uh, down at uh, Pensacola. So if you did that after two weeks, you went down and joined one of the uh, forming classes, you know, with the Navy and the Marines. Yep. And uh, I, I was doing good until the uh, third week, and I got sick. And uh, I caught a cold. It went to my chest and got in my eyes. I woke up on Thursday morning. My eyes were all mad together, and we had the 2,000-meter swim that day. And it's like, oh my gosh, I took some uh, antihistamines, went down and I flunked that 2000 meter test by 40 seconds. Oh, had to sign, yes. I had to sign their version of a Mars saying, if I don't complete the next time, I would be disenrolled and uh, placed back in the next class. I'm saying, man, I can't do this, this crap again. And uh, so I rested really well over the weekends as much as I could. Came in Monday morning all by myself while everybody else was PTing. And Ted Finney was the, uh, was the liaison petty officer for the Coast Guard. And Ted and I were in Clearwater together. So they get me in the pool. I get all warmed up. And they told me, just keep pace with the instructor. They really helped me out here. I mean, they wanted me to succeed. So if I kept up pace with the uh, instructor walking on the side of the pole, I knew I was good. If not, I need to kick it in. But I was, I was still sick. And uh, lo and behold, uh, Ted jumped in towards the end. I lost count of the laps. And I was falling behind. And I got down the end. The second uh, time I got to the shallow end, the instructor screamed at me. He says, you need 30 seconds. 30 seconds it's like oh boy so i actually kicked it in and i made that swim test with five seconds to spare 
Oh my gosh. Yep. And I thought <laughs> after that, and I felt like a new man. I felt sick, but I felt like a new man after uh, passing that test. It, it was it was the yeah, it was the biggest obstacle for me almost flunking that school. And uh, but I, I was afraid of the water. I'll be honest with you. I had a phobia for the water, and uh, I couldn't swim in boot camp. Never took a swim test till I went to swimmer school. And uh, <laughs> you know, oh my it, gosh, the SMs always proctored the test on the side of the pool, but they never took a, a swim test. And uh, but, uh, it was a good feeling passing that. You know, from someone yeah. who couldn't uh, couldn't swim for crap when I when I joined to uh, actually make it through swimmer school. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I absolutely yeah. love it. <laughs> and I had in the back of my head, I'm going, you know what, man, if I don't have, th this is why I thought I was going to Kodiak. I go, if, if or uh, sick or other, I go, if I don't have one single rescue in uh, four years, I'll be a happy camper. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, yeah. There were, there yeah. were words I never spoken right there <laughs> but, but uh, we'll get to that in a bit if that's okay with you absolutely absolutely um as a matter of fact i'll tell you what i, I want to pause on your career here for a second because now that you're uh you've made it through swimmer school we're going to get into one of your rescues actually we're going to talk about two of them but uh, before that, you were actually at a small boat station, and you had your very first rescue in the Coast Guard at the small boat station, right? That is correct. So let's go back uh, to that real quick. Let, I, I want to hear your very first rescue, and then we're going to get into uh, you being a rescue swimmer and two of your rescues there. Okay. Are you ready? Uh, you know I am. I'm, like, sitting on the edge of my seat ready right now. <laughs> okay. Well, uh when I graduated from uh, Alameda from boot camp, you know, it was all dependent on your class ranking on where you went. And I was from Ohio and that's where my, uh, my fiance was. And I came out number one in my class. And, uh, nice. but, but my best friend, Mike Booth, uh, he's a big boy from Wyoming and, and the fellow wrestler, uh, he came out in third place and there was not a single unit on the eastern side of the Mississippi River. Nothing open. None. So they're going through the different stations and they mentioned uh, Station Saislaw River, which is in Florence, Oregon. Okay. Which is, which is 50 miles up uh, the coast from North Bend. Oh, okay. So, yeah. And that's the old 44-footers, you know, the predecessors to the 47 footers they were self-riding uh motor lifeboats and uh both mike and i went to the same station together we went to seaman school together we went to coxon school together up at uh cape d so uh that's cape disappointment it, up in columbia river gorge area between yes yeah amazing yep. we, amazing area we, it's where advanced yeah, we, or a horse is that they use a horse yep yep and we're both plan on becoming coxswains because uh, we both became SN's, uh, SNBMs and uh, had so SNBM is a seaman bosun's mate. It's somebody that's uh, working on that. Sorry, I'm trying to help everybody out. It doesn't know like the totally the Coast Guard world. So it's a E3 going to E4 and, and striking that or getting ready to get promoted. So 
Seaman exactly. Bosemate, SNBM. Yep, you're a Bosemate as a as a E3. You just didn't have that uh, first stripe yet. Yeah. So nice. Anyhow, we were really psyched up for this, but uh, it took it only takes about three months to get qualified as a seaman on the boats. Yeah, I was a, I was a Boy Scout, so I knew how to, to navigate, and the navigation was dead reckoning back then. There's no such thing as a GPS. You you had a map or a chart, uh, a slide rule, and uh, a pencil. That's how you did your navigating. So uh, <laughs> we love it. The, I get qualified, and the SAR alarm goes off, and and about 25 miles up the coast from Sayuslaw River is Hasita Head Lighthouse. It's the most photographed lighthouse in the United States. It's absolutely beautiful. Wow. And yeah, it's absolutely, you have to write this down. Hasita Head, H-E-C-A-T-E, Head. Okay. Got uh, it. And we, we took care of that lighthouse. Uh, and that was pretty much the point for uh, Newport uh, going up north and uh, Umpqua River to the south. But Sarmon goes off and he said, uh, a person in the water, see the head lighthouse, put the ready 44 uh, on the line. And uh, we launched on it and top speed on them things is only 14 knots. So it took us about an hour and 20 minutes to get up there. Oh, wow. And, yes. So we get up there and there are literally, you know, close to, close to 100 people standing around because there's a island that uh, you can walk out to at low tide and climb up to the top and get a really good view of the lighthouse and the Pacific. It's really cool. But here, a six-year-old boy had tried crossing it with his brother and mistimed the waves and got caught. Oh. And the way the, the, the waves would go in around this little island, then come directly back out where they came from. And they were breaking about six to eight foot. So Clay Rennick, our boatsman, he's a BM2, and he's also a surfman. And a surfman is a coxswain on steroids. It's a <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They, <laughs> they really know what they're doing. So we're looking at things. We're actually yelling at the people on the beach. And Clay comes up with the idea that we're going to back in to this uh, little opening where this kid was. And because we could see him, we just couldn't get to him with our nose in and with the waves breaking over the uh, stern. So Clay backed that 44 in, and me and Alan Dotson grabbed hold of the kid, plucked him out, and put him in the well deck, and off we went. And I'll never forget his mother saying, saying please, save my boy, save my boy, and just screaming. Could hear her top the engines. Wow. Uh, this poor little kid, the, it was probably one of the most traumatic, it was the most traumatic rescue ever I've ever been on. When he was inside of this churn, they actually call it Devil's Churn. Okay. Uh, he was trying to grab hold of the rocks and the rocks were just loaded with barnacles. And oh. can you get right on here? Yeah. He had, been he had been washed around in these barnacles for over an hour. Oh my and gosh. And we tried to do CPR on him on, and uh, with what we could do, but with the facial damage, uh, we, we just couldn't do it. We couldn't do it. We, we tried best we could. 
and uh, uh, 52 from North Bend came up, lowered a litter. We put him in the litter and off they went with him. But the poor little boy didn't make it. And that was my that was my very first SAR case. And I had a I had a one-year-old daughter at the time. So after that, I was super paranoid. Anytime that you know that me, Barbara, uh Mike Lane, my daughter, were around the water, I was afraid afraid of death she was gonna drown. So I was very, very uh hyper vigilant. Is that the word? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. And uh, that was my first and first and worst SAR case I'd ever been on. Wow, that's a you know that's kind of or, a tough way to start for sure. It, it really, it really is. Then we got yeah. a couple other uh, uh, boats that uh, capsized on the bar and got to pl- pluck them guys out and towed many a uh, crab boat back in and, and salmon boats. We stayed pretty busy, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, in the oh, yeah. It's a busy yeah. station. Winter time, not much going on. But uh, after that one ride in the uh, fifty two. I was golden. I knew which way I was going to go. And aviation, <laughs> aviation was it, no doubt. Oh, that's great. All right. So with that case, uh, now, like I said, you've already given us the backstory as to getting into summer school, getting through summer school, battling the fact that you can't swim. I, I love that more than probably anything. It's just, it's that oh, mindset, the determination to get through. Oh, it's, I love it. So... But now yeah, you're it's easy. So you're in, you go ahead. What's up? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say you so this award that you earned up here, this was out of Sitka, right? Um, yeah, my DFC. Yes. Yeah, that was out of Sitka. All right. So when did all right? So this is in nineteen ninety. When did you graduate swimmer school? Uh I graduated in eighty eight. Okay. And the program, the program at Clearwater had been shut down because of the corrosion problem on the H3s. And we wanted to get back up to Kodiak, but uh, they had a problem with the housing units, uh, pipes busting in the wintertime and completely flooding the uh, houses out. Oh, geez. So my orders to Kodiak got canceled, got canceled and we got orders to Sitka, which, which were fine with me and with my wife. We're, we're looking forward to it. And uh, got up there, got qualified, and uh, had a good bunch of guys. Had a great shop. Uh, Scotty Harris was there, nice. Brian Utek, Bob Weaver, Kelly awesome. uh, Larson, Moke, and let's see who else. Oh, Mike Mill. Mike Mill was there also. Love it. So we, we had a good shop, uh, got qualified, and uh, let me see. I already had the experience on the H3s and I could navigate decently. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So I usually set up in the uh, jump seat on just to keep an eye out on the pilots. So the the day of this uh, star case was on uh, Pearl Harbor Day, December the 7th. Yes. And uh, we, we well, swapped duty just, sections don't, at uh, don't go too far. Don't go too far into it yet because I want to read this award and then we're going to get, then we can get into the backstory for sure. Um, But I I want to also note here because you said this a little bit ago, you were okay with going four years in Sitka and not being half to, or, you know, not having to do a rescue. And here you are in this. So let me read this and and then we'll get into it. Are Are you ready? 
Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Citation to accompany the award of the Distinguished Flying Cross to ASM-1 Roger Shivers, United States Coast Guard. Petty Officer Shivers is cited for extraordinary heroism while participating in aerial flight on the evening of 7 December 1990 while serving as rescue swimmer aboard Coast Guard H3-1435, engaged in a perilous rescue of three survivors from the motor vessel Norsel in Heseda Strait, British Columbia. Arriving on scene, Petty Officer Shivers deployed in complete darkness into 25-foot seas 50-knot winds, and 35-degree water. He towed one survivor clear the life raft for hoist, but twice the basket was ripped from his hands and the victim flushed from the basket as the helicopter was blown backwards by the violent winds. Each time, Petty Officer Shivers relocated the survivor, and after 25 minutes, both she and Petty Officer Shivers were safely hoisted. When the raft was relocated, Petty Officer Shivers deployed into the water again. He removed the remaining two survivors from the raft one by one, towing each clear of the raft to the hoist rescue basket. After both survivors were hoisted aboard, Pedaster Shivers was hoisted into the aircraft, immediately began to assist in treating the hypothermic survivors. Pedaster Shivers' actions, skill, and valor were instrumental in the rescue of three victims. His courage, judgment, and devotion to duty are most heartily commended in keeping with the highest traditions of the United States Coast Guard. Holy cow, Roger. Wow. Okay. Okay. Now, now let's get into this. 25-foot waves, 50-knot winds, 35-degree water. Get some. Yeah. Somebody else is there. Like I said, we, we uh, swap duty sections at 1300. And you always go up to ops uh, with the pilots and both ongoing, offgoing and oncoming and get a brief. And then off I went down. I was giving the hand uh, fuel and a helo just came back. And Mike Mill was the swimmer on that flight. And uh, he came walking over and it was an absolutely beautiful day in Sitka. Uh, it was about 50 degrees, sunny, no wind. And Mill comes up to me and goes, do you know Mike Mill at all? I, you know what? He, I did not. I, I think I met him. I, I might have met him once or twice. That's about it. So, Mike, if I met you, I'm sorry. I forget. I apologize. But, yeah. I, I know the name. Uh, Mike, he's, he's a great guy. And you're talking about a decorated uh, AST. He. Yeah, I think I think he has three DFCs. Holy shit! But Mike had this laugh, and it's like, <laughs> like this, okay? He comes up to me, he does this, <laughs> he goes, "Man, he is, I think you're gonna get your big one today." I'm going big one. I go, "Look at this! <laughs> it's bright and sunny. I can't feel wind blowing." I go. Worst possible thing that's gonna happen today is I'm not gonna get a good night's sleep tonight. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> then we're really dumb words, okay? Uh at about 1345, quarter till two, the SAR alarm goes off. And here comes the old vessel taking on water. Uh back then they would pipe rescue swimmer provide because we weren't always fine with the swimmer on board. So Mike and I uh 
drove on the carts back in the hangar, grabbed three extra dewatering pumps and the uh, Therma uh, recovery capsules. Okay. And they're just like a sleep, sleeping bag to put hypothermic people in and uh, warm, them, warm them back up. And we take off and I was sitting up in the jump seat and uh, we had comms with a uh, Canadian CH-47 that was actually on the case uh, out of Comox. And Comox is about 300 miles south of where this uh, boat was taken. As we're going south, you know, it gets dark pretty quick up there in Alaska in December. Uh, it's already dark at uh, 3.30. And it's, as it gets darker, the weather started picking up. And then the weather started picking up and we started getting bounced around. And then the snow started, or I take that back, the rain started, then uh, some sleet, and then snow. And oh, I've got my goggles off. I'm going, man, I can't see jack shit out of these things. Well, that's because it was snowing real bad. Everything is whited out. Oh, my so, gosh. Uh, yes, we're talking to the uh, CH-47, the Canadian crew, and they said they've, uh, they've deployed three rafts, and we just checked one of them out, and there's no one inside of it. So cancel this one. And we end up getting on scene. And by this time, we were getting rocked pretty darn good. Uh, bounced around, blown around. And uh, we're looking for uh, signals, any, any, anything to help us find this raft. Because it was snowing. And you really couldn't see. Visibility was horrible. So uh, we hit bingo fuel. And we had to fly back into uh, a little town up there uh oh my gosh the name of it's not coming to me right now but oh, that's all right. anyhow, but we flew into a, a a tiny little village on the uh in canada and gas dh3 up another uh max fuel load and went back out so on our way back out get on scene which is about 70 miles away the ch47 calls us and said we're at bingo fuel we're heading back home and sorry, we cannot assist. The winds are too much for the airframe. And I'm thinking, you sons of beaners, okay? <laughs> and that's being very kind, okay? At least uh -huh. stay there, at least stay there and stay over top of us in case something did happen instead of going back home, okay, and drinking a beer while we're out here getting our asses kicked. Pardon my French. Uh so I Anyhow, they, they took off. So the whole crew, we're bad mouth from them. We've got everything already rigged up. Trail line. Uh, we knew we were using weight bags. We got the uh, Dansforth anchor out. And that was going to be our, our, our weight bag. So we're doing a track line search. Lo and behold, a life raft. And we're over top of it. And I've been some big seas before. Uh, yeah. Seriously. In one thirty, in one thirties, but never down that low in a helicopter. And uh, you've seen it where the wind's blowing and kind of blowing the uh, top the waves over, yes, and into a, a mist to where everything looks kind of whited out. Yes. So that's that's kind of what we had there. So we hovered over top of them. No one came to the door. Uh, 
and we, we knew there was a uh, third raft. So we just stayed, we marked that position, stayed on our track line, and lo and behold, less than three minutes later, boom, we've got a life raft and we've got a flashlight, okay? Okay. And so we, we circle it and they didn't have a radio on board. They were thinking about dropping a radio, but uh, with the winds blowing like they are, it probably would have been a hard time getting it down to them. So I helped uh, our flight mech, Matt Price, good guy and a good, uh, excellent flight mech also, rigged up the trail line uh, and we're gonna lower down the uh, basket to him. So he puts the anchor out and starts lowering it down and then the anchor starts sailing back behind the sponsor, okay? Oh, and the it lowers it down, the further it's going back on the back side of the sponsor. So it's back there and it's doing like a figure eight motion, all right? And if, even if we'd got this thing down to the uh, raft, the possibility of someone getting hurt, seriously hurt with that steel anchor was pretty high. So we backed off and went back into a, uh, uh, an orbit around the uh, raft. And that's when Mr. Thomas, who was our aircraft commander, asked if I wanted to, uh, if I'd deploy. And I said, sure. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I already had my dry suit on. I mean, when I, when, before we left uh, Sitka, I put my dry suit on. Uh, just in case. And my mouth was so dry that I could barely talk. I'm here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm saying this really sucks. Okay. <laughs> I go, this really sucks. I didn't tell anybody that until uh, Ali Yates probably heard this, but it really did suck. Uh, I get in the door and I always held my, uh, my snorkel in my mouth, always. So I never wanted to lose that mask. So they're lowering me down, uh, Matt is, and I am getting blown back almost underneath the tail rotor of the helicopter. And I'm saying, wow, man, this isn't very cool. And <laughs> end up, end up, he caught me in the trough and I slipped out of the, uh, the sling, the strop, and when it came over my head, it, it knocked my mask off the back of my hood. But thanks to having that snorkel in my mouth, I didn't lose my mask. Thank God. Okay. Nice. That, yeah. That, you know how handy a mask can come in when, when you're in crappy uh, water. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, I, was, I was one swell away from them. And it took me almost seven minutes to swim from one uh, crest to another. And I come up to the raft, and I'll tell you what, I was like a porpoise, okay? Yeah. I was kicking hard. I came up, and I just flew in the uh, door of that thing. And I ended up back on my back. <laughs> and they're going, are you okay, sir? I go, yeah, yeah. Are you guys okay? <laughs> like, this was a really dumb move right here. But uh, anyhow, I briefed them on what was going on what we we're going to do. And there were two men, pretty good sized guys. And uh, they had uh, their fiance there. So she, she was shivering bad. So I, I decided to take her first. I told her, I go, listen up guys. I'm going, 
haul you out the back here of the uh, raft. I go, I want you guys to go ahead and kick with your feet, okay? And use your arms and help me swim here. And I go, nice. if you guys fight, I go, if you guys fight me, it's the old A school thing. I go, I'm gonna dunk you. I'm gonna hold your head in our water until you can't breathe anymore and pass out and make it easy for me. Point was the nicest thing to tell him. Yeah, you know, whatever. Inspiring. So I get her out and start to tow her, and we get hit with a nice 25 foot wave. Okay. Went completely over it, and we popped out. And when we popped out, she jumped out of the damn raft or the uh, basket. And I'm saying, oh, what the hell? I had to hold the basket. I'm being drugged through the water. I've got hold of it. We come out, and I'm still holding on to it. And she jumps out of the damn thing. And then I go swinging forward and I jump, jump up or release and uh, fall into the trough. So I swim back Holy to her. Shit. Luckily, we were in in the same uh, uh, set of swells, and swim back to her and I go what are you doing I go don't jump out of the damn raft she's got she goes I think we're gonna die and I go we're not gonna die I go just listen to what I'm saying once you're inside the basket hold on and don't let go for anything okay so here they came in the helos for the second attempt on the uh, lady here and as they're coming in next thing you know they went to back up, and when they did, the wind caught that uh, helo and brought the nose up probably about 30 degrees or so, and it went backwards and out of sight into the uh, snow and rain. Wow. And it's like, oh, my God. And I saw this, but she didn't, okay? And okay. I'm thinking, oh, my God. I thought they were dead. I truly thought that Gila was going in the water because they didn't come back for a while. And I told Lady, I go, listen, we're gonna try start trying to get back to the raft. And uh, and I said, you're gonna have to help me as much as you can here. I go, when you feel a wave coming, take a deep breath and hold on to my arm. Don't let loose. Kick with your feet. Okay, help me out. And lo and behold. Here comes the helo for the third attempt. And this time they're actually coming in and they nail it. I stuff her into the basket. I said, hold on. I held on to the basket, went through another swell and popped out and up she went. And as she was going up, she grabbed hold of the hoist hook. Okay. Oh, like she was going to uh, jump out again. I still had hold of the basket with my left hand. So I karate chopped her, her hands off the hoist hook. <laughs> Seriously, I hit her harder than hell, man. Uh, right at the wrist, broke them, and up she went. So that was pretty much it for the uh, first survivor. And I'm going, whoo, doggy. I go, man, I got two more of these to do. And I wasn't too sure. My confidence level wasn't at its highest point at that time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, oh yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You just had your ass kicked. So anyhow, I get it. I, I just I, I was sweating. I mean, I had sweat inside my damn uh, dry suit and, and leak, leaking leaking uh, water. So 
I'm waiting on the healer to come in, and Matt Price has the uh, the searchlight out, and he's pointing this thing off to the front of our nose. And what he's trying to do is point out the life raft, but I couldn't see it. I couldn't see it. We'd, bl we'd blown down. Actually, I think it said 100 yards. We'd actually blown close to 300 yards uh, downwind of the raft. Wow. And uh, Yeah, so they picked me up. And once I got up there, the girl was just shivering uncontrollably. So I, I broke out one of the thermal recovery capsules. I stripped her down and stuffed her in it. And I told uh, our, our AVI, uh, Pat Sarver, I go, just keep warming her up as best you can. And then I look and turn around and I hear uh, Roger. And it was Lieutenant Thomas. He was actually our co-pilot, Rogers, uh, Mr. Thomas, and he was no longer in the cockpit. He was standing uh, between the opening of the cockpit and the uh, cabin door. Here, what had happened, I need to go into this here, is while I was working on her, Lieutenant Thomas came to the back of the aircraft and Pat Sarver, the AVI, had went yeah. up and jumped into the co-pilot seat. They took the helo up to 500 feet. They locked the collective and they told Pat just to keep this thing, look at your altitude, 500 feet, all right? And keep your airspeed at 80 knots, all right? And Pat was the first class uh, uh, tweet and uh, knew how okay. the instruments work. So while he was doing that, Lieutenant McIntyre, aircraft commander, jumps out of the right seat. Mr. Thomas, our co-pilot, jumps into the uh, right seat. And then Pat Sarver and Mr. McIntyre swap back out. So we had two pilots up front. So what they did was they swapped pilots from one seat to another with Pat Sarver flying that uh, helo for about 45, 50 seconds, which is <laughs> pretty darn good and I didn't know this. I did not know that they'd swapped uh, seats entirely. I didn't know what was going on. But uh, they lowered me down for the uh, the other two men. And they uh, this time, Matt plucked me. He had me uh, no less than seven yards from the raft. It was a piece of cake slip. Slipped out of the uh, sling, swam over, jumped in the raft with him. And they're going, what the hell did you do with our girlfriend, with my girlfriend? One of the guys asked me. I go, well, she was fighting me. And the waves are breaking over our head. I go, listen, guys. I go, here's how it's going to work. I go, you guys cannot do what she did. I go, I don't know if I'll be able to get you both out if you pull the stunts that she was pulling. But once I get you into that basket, you hold on that thing for dear life and don't let go. If the wave comes over top of our heads, hold your breath. Keep hold of the basket until we come back up. Take another breath, and you'll be just fine. And I said, who wants to go first? And uh, the bigger guy out of the uh, two volunteered. And I said, make sure you're kicking, okay, when I get you out here. And it only took me the, – the first hoist uh, took me almost 40 minutes. And wow. the, second two only, uh, the second two only took me about 20 so I was, I was in the water there for close to for close to an hour. And by the time I got up, uh, finally got up to the helo, I was I was drained. I was exhausted. Just plain and simple, I was exhausted. 
And, uh, but I helped them guys uh, out of their survival suits, got them some thermal recovery capsules. And we flew uh, back into, uh, oh, oh, Sands Fit, British Columbia. That's okay. where it was. Uh, that's where the airport was. They had a uh, an ambulance waiting for us, and they did take the girl in. She was suffering from severe hypothermia, and she was in the hospital for that night and released the next day. But uh, I'll tell you something that's really cool. The, it's the motor vessel Morsal, and it was a World War II uh, coastal uh, frigate. It was a coastal oh, okay. frigate yeah. Yeah. That, had, that had been converted into a uh, luxury yacht. Okay. Wow. Uh, so uh, we ended up going, there's only one hotel there. We get all sh showered up. Mr. McIntyre wanted us to write down all the events that happened. I'm saying, what the heck is this for? And I was worried about Mr. Uh, McIntyre getting in trouble. Uh, you know, I mean, well, I mean, for getting out of his seat and letting the AT1 fly the airplane. I was hoping he wasn't getting in trouble or his career uh, burnt. But uh, we ended up going down the bar after we got all cleaned up and such. And both the uh, guys were there. They told us their uh, girlfriend's doing good. They're just warming her up nice and slow. And they put a thousand bucks on the uh, bar for us. One thousand oh, dollars. Wow. Yes. Yes. One thousand dollars in cash. Told the uh, bartender to keep this flown. If he needs any more, he wrote down his card number. Keep him happy. Now, hold on. I get a little myself. On the way back in, once I'm inside, okay, yeah. I could hear beep, 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 beep. And I could see lights flashing in the cockpit. Here, where it happened on that venture when they were pushed backwards, they overtorqued the rotor head, the main, the main uh, gearbox, uh, the rotor head, tail gearbox, tail uh, uh, rotor head, and had actually all the uh, five blades, four of them had ripped the pockets open, which released oh the nitrogen. Gosh. Yes. So you can only feel it. You know, kind of vibrating. Uh, we we're getting our, still getting our butt kicked as far as the winds and everything going, but it was worse. And you could actually hear the the rotors making a different sound. And then you look up front and see the uh, red lights burning steady. And you, you know, something right here. Yeah. And it wasn't four four out of the five blades had been torn open. So uh, we got to stay there for a total of four days and uh, change some blades out. And uh, that second night we were. Uh, in the bar at their Christmas party. And we went and grabbed the NGGs from the Hilo and we're playing darts and pool uh, inside the bar <laughs> with, our, with our helmet NGGs on. <laughs> and the, oh the people there, gosh. the local residents were just having a blast with us. Wow. So long story short, they had a, uh, a uh, Learjet come up and pick them up the, not the next day, but the day after that. And uh, there was still money left over at the, on the uh, bar. So we were buying all the folks there at the bar, their, their free drinks. And it was just a, it was a good ending. You know what I'm saying? We got back yeah. in, everybody made, everybody made it home uh, safely, including the, uh, the people on the raft. And uh, 
Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. The SAR case, I thought it was. Holy shit! Uh, yeah, that's an amazing the case. thing. Is it? Yeah, and there's nothing written anywhere about Pat Sarver uh, flying that bird, but you know, <laughs> everybody gets to fly in the H three if they want to. It has the open cockpit, but yeah. nobody, nobody's flying one of them things when it's uh, dark and stormy. And uh, you're flying it all by yourself. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. And ever since that uh, case right there, if I had the duty, you'd be walking up from the hangar and you hear the, the lanyard at the uh, yard arm clanging on the uh, pole. It'd yeah. be snowing. Anytime the star alarm or the PA system would go click, my pulse would go from uh, 50 beats a minute up to about 80 instantly. <laughs> it's like, oh boy, okay, okay. <laughs> oh but, uh, yeah, my that, that was my that that was my uh, biggest star case, uh, well, one and only big one. Holy and you know cow. what? There's all other people could have easily pulled this thing off, just just like I did. It's just a matter of uh, luck of the draw, or uh, I don't know if you'd call it luck. But it's a timing thing. You know what I'm saying, yeah, you were on duty when the alarm went off. It's, yeah, but uh, yeah. one thing I, I I did say is when I was getting my butt kicked with a woman, I said, there's no way. My, my dad passed away when I was six years old. He was killed in a coal mine. And I, I was telling myself, there's no way that I'm going to let Barb raise them two girls by herself. So I it kind of kicked my adrenaline level up so I wasn't so wow. uh, afraid. Okay. Yeah. I was yeah. concerned but but I was no longer afraid. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I, I'm going to make it home. It's If the helo crashed, I'd make it back to the uh, life raft. Because it, it, I'm thinking this in my head, okay? Yeah. I'm saying by the time I'm back to the raft, whoever I'm towing, they're not going to be able to uh, make it. I mean, they'll be uh, dead from hypothermia. So I'm thinking, man, I can make it back to the raft and someone will find me later on. They launched, uh, we had no uh other planes up back at Sitka. They wanted to launch a second uh uh bird to help us out, but they were both down for maintenance. But Kodiak did launch a C-130. It's 700 miles from Kodiak to Sitka, plus another 280 coming down south. Okay. Yeah. Uh southeast actually. So that they they didn't make it halfway to us before we were done our way back in. Wow. But Jeez, it, at man. least they did show the attempt they were gonna come help us out. Yeah. Hey, thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Enjoy your box lunch and have a cup of coffee for me. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You know what? I it, there is something to be said about having a C one thirty over the top of you as you're flying, and it's something that I absolutely love the sound of. So, yes, yeah. I, I can they pick might. out all my C one thirty guy boys, but no, in my heart, I love seeing you up there. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a comforting feeling. You know what I'm saying? No, oh, yeah, yeah. I carry it around a uh, backpack with my five items, uh, a fanny pack, to okay. where if we did. Uh, go down i'd have enough food to, I, I could last about a month on what i had packed up in that thing but uh lucky <laughs> it never came to have to use one yeah. <laughs> you know what i'm saying oh yeah and, uh, yeah the old h3 
old age threes, they, they might be slow and uh, cumbersome compared to a 60. But I'll tell you what, they always brought me home. So I, I can't say one bad thing about them. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong nope. with that. Not at all. Jeez. Roger, thank you so much for sharing that rescue. That is incredible. Wow. Well done to you and your crew. Oh, oh thank you. Now. Yeah. You thank you. Lieutenant, Lieutenant Thomas, uh, Matt Price, our mech, and Pat Sarver, our AVI. They all got air medals. Lieutenant Thomas got an air medal. Uh, Matt Price was put in for a DFC, but they uh, downloaded that to an air medal. And Pat Sarver got an air medal also. Nice. Uh, but Mr. McIntyre, Mr. McIntyre uh, turned down his award. He felt really, really bad. What happened was he uh, got a really bad case of vertigo on top, uh, top of the uh, conditions, and he was having a hard time maintaining a uh, stable hover. But Mr. Thomas was backing him up the whole time. And even with Mr. Thomas backing him up, when they brought that nose up and it went backwards, you know, that's where they over-torqued everything. They kind of did a really, can I say this here? You got time, Jason? Yeah. I got all the time uh, in the world. I found, I found this out uh, uh, later on that night is when they were being blown backwards, okay? Mr. Thomas said, he's said, I have the controls. And he kicked in left rudder, left okay. cyclic, and pulled up on the collective and kind of did a 180. Okay. okay, in midair at about 100 feet off the water. Wow. And it's really cool. If you, if you can pitch the helicopter going backwards and then him putting in left rudder, okay, left cyclic, everything you got, and turn that thing down around like a dime. Uh, he, he saved the aircraft, he saved the crew, and uh, plus saved our bacon too. Wow. Wow. Well yeah. done. Yeah, he's a good guy. I'd fly. I'd fly in a type of where that man. Jeez, oh man, that's that is amazing. Again, you and your entire crew, awesome, awesome job. Yeah, I'll, I stay in touch with Lieutenant Thomas, uh, but I don't know where Matt's at. I think that Mr. McIntyre is up in uh, Sitka. He owns a B and B up there. Oh, nice. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know what? You'll have to reach out to him. Maybe he'll come on and tell us uh yeah. tell us what was yeah. going on. I would love to hear it from him too. Ah, oh, that's incredible. Are you Lieutenant Thomas? Yeah. I'll tell you what, I'll try to I'll try to find his happy buddy. He's not on Facebook, but uh Okay. I'll I'll try to find him and, and put you in touch with him. Oh, that'd be awesome. I would love to hear it from him too. That is yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, he 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 kind of saved her bacon there because if he wanted to turn that plane around. That thing could have lost lift and went in tail first in the water. Oh yeah, and, uh, yeah, you know that's nothing to be messing around with it at all. And uh, I thought they were dead. Uh, I'm serious. When it went out of sight, I couldn't see them any longer. I thought they were going in the water. And it's like, oh boy, not good, not good. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yep. I'll tell you what, Roger. I I cannot thank you enough for sharing that story. That is one heck of a case. Um, yeah. Wow. You're very well. Good job. So I didn't bore uh, you. I didn't no, bore you too much. 
hell no you keep me i'm on the edge of my seat this is ridiculous i get I, you know i keep saying i can't get enough of this stuff i really can't it's it's crazy <laughs> so but you uh you actually have one more rescue that you wanted to kind of talk about and it's uh more of a heartfelt rescue that you had uh, kind of towards a little later on in your career um but what is that one okay uh so we had that sort case on december the 7th correct yes to the, so, uh, 1990. 1990. September 7th, 1990 at 2.05, we launched. Right? Yep. Well, that man, I was getting medevaced, like out the yin-yang. <laughs> every, every time I had duty, I was getting a, I was going on a case. It's like, holy crap, man. This stuff need, needs to stop. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm serious. I'm saying this myself. Somebody else needs to, to hop in the old churn here and take a turn. But uh, on December the 23rd, I had, had duty again. And uh, once again, it was a crappy-ass night, and we had uh, – our alarm goes off. Vessel taking on water, okay? Uh, extra pumps, rescue swimmer, and duty corpsman provide. Oh, so, wow. Reload up two extra pumps, uh, one thermal recovery cap, no, two thermal recovery capsules, and uh, the Corman. And we put on a max load of fuel, okay? And uh, my flight mac, mech was, uh, oh my goodness, it's going to come to me in a second here, but he's, he's one of the best mechs uh, of all times. Uh, we go and take off, and we're heading down towards Ketchikan. And if you're going down that way, it's it's a really rocky coast. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. With a bunch of a bunch of coves and and little inlets. So we take off max fuel uh, load, and we're heading south. And we actually got into a radio contact with the boat. He had lost his seal on his uh oh my gosh on his uh, prop okay where, where, where it goes into the uh boat itself you know yeah. what i'm saying yeah okay and was taken on water and said he was trying to uh get the boat up into a cove and he said he had flares and he said as soon as he is he would hear us he would start launching them and uh i didn't hear this because they didn't have enth uh, uh stations in back for everybody to be on the radio at the same time so we're cruising down and we're uh, lost contact with him. He said, the boat's going in. I'm in the cove. He goes, I don't have a position for you, but I'll, I'll be listening out for you. So we had the night sun going and it was uh, it was raining really hard. No snow, but it was uh, blown rain. And it, it, uh, the winds were only blown about 30 to 40 knots. Not, nothing bad at all. Only. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's it's like training flights up there in Alaska. You know, yeah, I know. It's just funny we're, when you say it. it's only blowing yeah. 30 to 40 knots. It's fine. If you're in Clearwater, <laughs> you're, you're getting a DFC for going on a training flight. Uh, but, I, <laughs> but, uh, we're cruising down south and we're all on the, uh, on the left side of the aircraft looking for the flare. And lo and behold, boom nice bright red flare goes off okay so we did a uh let me see almost a 360 
and then came back in to where we were, uh, our nose was into the wind and we're just creeping up the coast and there was the inlet and uh, boom, off goes another flare. And you can see it up in the air, but you couldn't, uh, the trees were covering up uh, close to the water. So uh, we go nosing our way in there. And as we're going in, uh, I was already dressed up. They told me I had my gear ready to go. As we're going in, the channel got slimmer and slimmer and slimmer. And pilot goes, I don't think we're going to be able to turn around if we pick this man up. And I said, well, we could always lower the ramp and uh, I could uh, taxi you backwards. And he goes, that's a brilliant idea. <laughs> it's, it's, one of the, it's one of the few bright ideas I had in my lifetime. Uh, so that's amazing. That was, I that won't was, tell your wife because then she'll expect more, okay? Oh, she's got, a, <laughs> she's got a cup of coffee. She hears everything I'm saying right now. Oh, but, great. Uh, but uh, we're going up in there, and there was not room uh, to turn around. As a matter of fact, the uh, mech and the uh, corpsman, we took the windows out of the left side of the uh, helo so that they could watch the uh, rotor blade clearance with the trees on each side. Yeah. yeah. And the, so, uh, the man was up on a rock. Uh, we had the floor going, and you could see him glowing bright as anything, even with a uh, survival suit on. Wow. Come up and do the hoist. We get him up inside, and uh, I lowered the ramp and was vectoring uh, backwards. So I said, anything, uh, right turn is going to be exactly that. You're going to turn the tail rotor to the right. Left turn turn the tail rotor to the left and we end up backing out and started heading back to the city. We have the tailwind on the way down. On the way back up, we were hit uh, headwinds. Like I said, they were blowing 30 to 40. And we had a mass, oh, I forgot something very important. Okay. Before, before we went up in that cove after this guy, we were too heavy on uh, our weight. So we had to go out and we dumped 1500 pounds of fuel okay wow yeah first yeah. Time I, first time i've ever done this before at my time is really cool because you know it's come out the dump mass like crazy all lit up kind of look pretty but uh dump 1500 pounds then went up in hoisting backed out so now we're heading back to sitka and it's a uh, totally ifr conditions it's about uh, 11 o'clock at night right in that area and we shot three approaches and came up empty each time. And you, you've flown in the Sitka before, haven't you? I have not. No, Kodiak? it's one of the. I, no, I've only gone to Kodiak. No, I was uh, never in Sitka. All right. Well, there's only uh, two ways to to land, either north or to the south. And we were coming to the north, shooting the approach. Uh, I can't remember the number of the runway, but uh, after three attempts, we had not made contact no lights nothing so we circled back out and went out over the uh bay and our co-pilot came up with the idea he goes let's get our nautical charts out he goes we'll look for the uh for the navigational signs and just use the radar to bring us back in and sure as crap you know we always carried nautical charts uh long theory nautical charts on the uh birds yeah. So 
whipped one out and turned the radar on and we were hitting the uh, reflective signs and lo and behold all uh all fuel tanks were uh flashing okay okay but but we were only flying at 25 knots and 25 feet that way if a engine would torch out we could make a water landing okay which oh my gosh another great feature of the uh, helicopter so i got the guy suited up the uh the uh survivor i had him in a uh, survival suit i said if anything happens and we already had the windows out uh you just grab hold of me and follow me and i'll get our happy uh butts out of this thing and it worked it worked like a champ and we were empty on gas when we shut that uh rotor head and the engines down wow but, this guy is hugging us and uh thanking us and blah 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 and one thing we always did for the uh our survivors up there is yeah. we gave them, we gave them a flight suit and a name tag uh with their name on it and saved by the best and we put the crew crew member <laughs> on, onto the name tag and, and present it to him well he was out of catch can his his boat and his wife and son were uh out of catch can so it's the 23rd. Next day, the paper comes out. I'm at home. I have the, uh, oh, shoot. I was sliding. And I got a phone call from our ops boss, uh, Commander Shearer. He goes, Eve, come in here and, and check out the paper. I go, what's going on? He goes, you're going to love this. And Commander Shearer, anytime you're on a SAR case, it was even least bit hairy, he yeah. was always there. He was always there in maintenance control waiting on you and shaking your hand as you walked in. Really a stand-up guy, Dan Shearer. Uh, go in and he's sitting in his office. He goes, come on, Roger. And we we're actually good friends. We were in Clearwater together. We rode up on the ferry together and uh, walk in and here this guy had wrote a letter to the editor. And I had a copy of it, but I, I've lost it. Uh, this man said, he had all the crew members' names. If it wasn't for these men, I would not be home tonight celebrating Christmas Eve with my wife and my son, Benjamin. It was like, man, that is God. really cool. And there was, it went to a lot more detail than that right there. What yeah. I said, it was just like, yeah, this guy didn't have to do that. Wow. Right alert to the editor, everything. So, uh, yeah, uh, I got, I got an uh, achievement award out of that one, which, oh, which was awesome. a bit too much. You know. Well, but, uh, you know, yeah, that, it's, that, it was nice right to be recognized. Life. Yes, yes, it was. Yes, it was. And after that, it was kind of downhill for me uh, for us, my tour up there in Sitka. Okay. That that uh, coming spring, uh, I was on the uh, station softball team. Yeah, and I was I was doing a slide up, uh, stand up slide in the second base, and rolled my right ankle over and busted it uh, all to hell. Uh, oh. My talent. So that put me down for about four months. I recover, and in February, 
I'm up, uh, a plane just came back from a uh, train flight and had about four inches of snow on it from sitting out on the ramp. Yeah. I'm up on, uh, I'm up on top, uh, checking out the rotor blades and slipped and I fell off the helicopter. Oh, jeez, <laughs> oh, man. When I hit the concrete on the, uh, on the hangar deck, I tried doing a parachute landing fall, a PLF. Yeah. To kind of break it, you know, to soften the uh, fall. Yeah, it's almost well, like hitting with a soft squat and then rolling off to one side or the other, right? Yep, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, feet, uh, feet first, knees, hip, and then uh, roll. So uh, I did it. When I hit, I heard something crack. And then I rolled. And I actually came up on my feet and I'm here bouncing on my left foot and my left, my right leg was killing me. And they're going, are you okay? I go, yeah, 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 yeah. I go, I just bruised my, my butt really bad. And <laughs> I go, someone help me sit. I sat down and then the pain kicked in. It was like, Neow! Uh here I busted my, my hip femur in three different places. Oh and, uh, my god. It was not cool. Yeah, the ambulance showed up. They shot me up with uh, morphine and then tried to put a, a hair traction splint on my leg for the femur. But what they didn't realize, I busted up uh, higher at the uh, femoral head, you know, yeah. going up in the hip. So when they went to tighten that thing up, it was actually pulling my whole leg down. All right. Oh my and gosh. I I grabbed hold of the par paramedic's wrist. And I said, stop. So uh, they had to hit me up with uh, Demerol morphine like five times before they could x-ray it at oh the hospital. And that's what exactly what the ER doc said. He goes, oh my gosh. He goes, you really tore up your leg here, Mr. Shivers. <laughs> and I'm looking at the x-ray. It's like, holy cow. I could see the one break plane as could be. But uh, I busted it so bad, I was losing blood. And they had to medevac me from uh, Sitka up to Elmendorf Air Force Base. And uh, give me some extra blood, a uh, bunch of fluids. My uh, right leg was swelled up about the size of two legs. And I was black and blue from my waist all the way down to my tippy toes. Oh and that pretty, much, that pretty much ruined my swimmer career in the... Uh, sick of them two accidents right there wow so, yep that, that was it I, that's my claim to fame right there uh, you know what they, they, one, those are a couple uh those are a couple big rescues to make a claim to fame holy shit <laughs> but, but that's pretty much it for me as far as uh as far as good rescues go that did some medevacs but uh other than that, just uh, them two SAR cases right there were pretty much the the bigger ones. I, I did some more than that, you know, dewatering uh, boats out, that sort of thing. But nothing yeah. as uh, cool as that, especially that uh, guy from Ketchikan writing the letter to the editor. I just thought that was, if I get that, I'll, I'll send it to you too. Oh, yeah, please do. Oh, my gosh, I would love to read it. That's, that's, but that's, uh, awesome. that's about it, Jason. I mean, that's it. Uh, I made chief coming out of Sitka. Uh, ran the shop down in Miami for three years, and then 
lost four years. I'll, I'll have to say that six was my best tour, but as far as the school was, uh, I asked, uh, yeah, we, we just had a good, good crew there. Uh, we, we didn't have all the fancy stuff that they had, you know, once the uh, new RSTF came to uh, fruition, but yeah. there's not a single guy that we put through that graduated or girl that ever failed to execute a rescue. True you're, statement. You're not, you're, you can, you can put as much pressure on somebody in eight foot of water as you can in 15 foot of water. And uh, you're proof positive that we put out some good, good people and good ASMs too. You know, I, that's a, that's, that's a really good perspective when you look at that. So, you know, I know there's a, there's things that the, you know, the Coast Guard always talks about or, and just in general of, oh, you know, it's too hard or, you know, we need a, we need more people to pass school or whatever the excuse is that they need more numbers or whatever, need to be more diverse, be more this, be more that. But when you look at the guys and girls that have graduated from Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer School, none of us have, have ever, that I'm aware of anyway, have ever turned down or not been able to do uh, the job. So, None, yeah. not a single one. And I, I stayed up on things for quite a few years. None during my uh, tenure there at the school. Yeah, it's that's uh, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. So, but, and you know, if we, we had someone we didn't think was up for it, uh, we got rid of them. Simple as that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you didn't, yeah. if you didn't have, if you didn't have it, it's time to find another road. Uh, another path to go down besides the swimmer world. Yeah. And, and I'll sorry, say, you know, I, I, no, 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 I still got you. I, I would also say that uh, I, and I believe this really in the, like, like deep heart and soul into this is that, you know, not, none of the stuff that we teach is subjective. Like I'm not, it's objective. It's, it's very, you either pass it or you don't. I, it's not my opinion. It's not, here's the standard. Here's what you've got make it or don't and if you make it you continue if you don't you don't it's that simple so yeah it really it really is you you nailed it right on the head right there no doubt yeah so oh roger I'm not sure these stories what... are amazing thank you so much for sharing with yeah. me you're welcome jason it was, a, it was a pleasure i just hope i didn't bore you too bad or bore, hell no bore the people listen no way not a chance and, uh, uh, but I will ask you before you go, but if you had any advice from all your that? experience and everything you've done, what would you tell everybody? Do what makes you happy. Oh man, it's keeping it simple. Do I like what, that. It's as simple as that. If you make yourself into a happy person and stay happy, your everything's gonna fall in place right behind that. I truly believe it. Man, I like that. I'm leaving it right there. Roger, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me. And uh, the next time I get down to North Carolina, I'm calling you. I promise. Please do, Jason. Thank you very much for doing this for me. I truly appreciate it. Of course. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, okay. we are out of here. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Real Rescue Podcast. 
please take a minute to like, subscribe, and hit that share button. I'm pulling jocks and taking off. But before I go, if anyone out there has a rescue story they would be willing to share, I would be humbled and honored to have you on as a guest. Or if you have any questions about rescue or anything else we talk about here, send an email to jason at therealrescue.com. That's jason at T-H-E-R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q.com. You can also check us out on our web pages, therealrescue.com, our Facebook page, and our Instagram page at The Real Rescue. Again, a special thank you to all of you standing on the watch today. Always remember, when that star alarm goes off, those in distress are praying for a miracle. They are going to get you. Until next time, fly safe and swim hard. <laughs>